Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There's not a single sin that can't be forgiven. There's not a single person that has done more than Christ paid for. There's no one out there, no one anywhere in the world that if they were to turn to Christ today, regardless of what they've done, could not be forgiven. That's the amazing thing about the forgiveness of sins. It's thorough, it's complete, and it is forever. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 7, in a message titled, Redeemed and Forgiven. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You know, have you ever, and let's not even talk about for just the moment here, let's not even talk about the forgiveness that God gives us, but let's just think of it more on on the human level. Have you ever done something where you've hurt somebody, you've offended somebody, you you know, you've, you've done something really bad or wrong to somebody, and they have forgiven you? Have you ever had that experience? You know what a, what a wonderful experience that is, really. To be forgiven is a wonderful thing. To know that that foolish thing, that, you know, in some cases, that evil thing that you've done, to know that that's no longer being held against you, that is, that is one of the greatest feelings in all the world. To have that guilt lifted off of us. I've told this story before, and... Um, I had that experience many, many years ago, uh, just again, strictly on the human level, where I had done something and I, I kept it hidden because I was so embarrassed having done it, I didn't want to confess it, but I, I finally had to confess it. And when I did and I received the forgiveness, oh, it was just, it was such a wonderful thing. But what happened is years and years ago, Pastor Chuck used to he did all kinds of wonderful things for Cheryl and I, and you know he would always come over to our house and you know help with uh, maintaining the yard or you know fixing up the house or uh, building a fence or you know whatever. He was always very very helpful with those kinds of things. So um, one of the things he did was uh, he bought me a really nice lawnmower, and so he bought me a nice lawnmower. One day he came over and he was I think he was in the backyard. He was working. Uh, on a fence or something. And his car was parked out along uh, the front of the house there. And uh, the, the wonderful lawnmower that he got for me, I pulled it out and I was mowing the lawn there. And I, I went out to mow that strip of grass that's kind of between your house and the sidewalk there. And as I was mowing the, the basket on the mower, there was a metal uh, part of it on the edge and, you know, the lawnmower's really loud, so you're not really hearing anything. And I'm going along, and all of a sudden I look up, and I am putting this massive scratch uh, from one end of Pastor Chuck's car all the way to the other with uh, the basket on my lawnmower. And I see that. I mean, it's literally gone from the very front of the car all the way to the back, probably a good quarter of an inch of paint peeled completely off. And I looked at that, and I thought, oh, my goodness. 
I cannot believe I've done this. Here the guy is in the, he's in my backyard building a fence for us so our little girl doesn't fall in the pool. And I'm out here peeling the paint off of his car. What an ingrate son-in-law I am. So I was so embarrassed by having done that. I, just, I couldn't tell him. So I just didn't say a word. I just, you know, I didn't say a word. I just finished mowing the lawn, went back and helped him in the backyard with the fence and uh, never said a word. Well, a few days later, he noticed what had happened to his car. And the next thing I heard is, you know, how, how bad he was feeling that somebody would, would do that to him. He couldn't believe it. And um, I'll never forget, you know, he, he said, and I was right there in his presence. He said, yeah, I, I don't know. Somebody must hate me or something. It looks like they took a key and they just peeled the paint right off my car. And he's telling Cheryl and I'm standing there and I'm like, wow, who would have done something like that? You know, that boy. No, I, I don't think it's anybody who hates you. You know, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how it happened, but you know, so I just, I just didn't have the, I didn't have the guts to tell him it was me. So here's the deal, though. This went on for like three weeks, and, it, and, and, and this really bothered Chuck. He just couldn't get over it. He, he was really concerned that somebody had done this, and somebody, you know, somebody hated him. And so, you know, I'm, I'm keeping this to myself, obviously, and every time, it just kind of seems to keep coming up over and over again. I'm like, oh, gosh, not the car again. So finally, what happens is Cheryl and I are driving along, and out of nowhere, she brings it up. My poor dad, he is just so sad these days about what happened to his car. And he just feels like somebody hates him. And, and she's looking at me. She's like, can you believe somebody would do that to my dad's car? That is so cruel. That is so mean. And by this time, it's like, okay, I cannot take this any longer. So finally, so finally, I looked at her. I go, I go, I did it. <laughs> And she looked at me with daggers in her eyes. You did. You did it. You scratched my dad's car. How dare you scratch my dad's car? I said, I did it on an accident. Honey, I didn't do it on purpose. So I told her the whole story about the lawnmower. And she started laughing and thinking, oh, I can't, I can't believe that. And so, um, so finally, she said, well, you got to tell him. And I was like, yeah, I knew by now because it, you know, this thing wouldn't go away. It just kept coming up. I knew I had to tell him. So I called him on the phone and I said, Chuck, I got to talk to you for a second. Yes. I said, Chuck, you know, the scratch in your car. Yes. Uh, Chuck, I put that scratch in your car. Oh, <laughs> how was his response? I said, Chuck, I did it on an accident. And I told him the story of the lawnmower. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's what he said. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody's not out to get me. That's what he would say, you know, but I'll tell you the, the guilt that I was living with, the burden that was on me for those three weeks. Oh man, it was so intense. And when he said, praise the Lord, it was like the thing just lifted off me. Oh, I was free. I was set free. You know, that's a humorous story of, of a human experience of being forgiven for a relatively minor thing. But you know, 
There's nothing quite so wonderful as knowing that God has forgiven us our sins. And not just little mistakes here and there, not just little uh, foibles that we might have accidentally, even in some cases, you know, done. But no, he, he's forgiven us of all of the, the real stuff, the intentional stuff, the, the wicked, the evil stuff that we've done. He's forgiven us. Now, here, here's the thing. When it comes to forgiveness, if there was ever a place where God was in a dilemma, and it's not probably really right to say God is in a dilemma, but in a sense, you could say that he was. In this way, God was in a bit of a dilemma because here's the question. How does a holy and just God forgive sin and still retain his justice? And you see, for us to just, you know, forgive somebody by just saying, hey, we'll, we'll just overlook that. You know, we can do that because we're sinners ourselves. We've, you know, sometimes we do that and we'll say in our minds, we might say, oh yeah, I've done something like that before. Don't worry about it. It's not a problem. And, and we'll let it go. But you see, God can't do that because God is, as God, he is perfectly righteous and just. He is the just judge. You know, some people say, well, why didn't God just overlook it? Why didn't he just say, okay, look, Adam and Eve, you know, you ate that fruit. Listen, I told you not to do it. We're going to, you know, we're going to let bygones be bygones. It's water under the bridge, but listen, don't do it again. Why couldn't God do that? You see, God couldn't do that because of who he is. Because he declared that to do such a thing would bring a specific consequence. And of course, God is bound to keep his word. And yet also, because he's just, a just judge cannot just let people off the hook. Now, if I were to go into court before a judge and I was guilty and the judge said, you know, I know you're guilty. It's all crystal clear here, but I'm feeling really good today. I'm just going to let you off the hook. You're acquitted. You're free. Get out of here. Don't do it again. Now, you know, I might walk out of there going, man, what a nice guy. Well, wow, that judge is really cool. And he might have been a nice guy and a cool guy, but he was a horrible judge. You see, a judge is supposed to uphold justice. God is the just judge. So this, again, this is the dilemma. This is the question. How does a holy and just God forgive sin? Well, here's how he did it. He did it by providing forgiveness through the pain of the penalty himself in the person of Jesus Christ. The penalty for sin has to be paid. You can't pay it. I can't pay it. None of us can pay it. We don't have what it takes. So what's the options? Well, the options are we have to be utterly condemned or somehow there has to be some forgiveness, but we don't have the ability to pay the debt. So what does God do in the person of his son? He steps in. And he pays the debt himself. That's what happened on the cross. And we sang it this morning. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's, that's the truth. Jesus paid a debt that we could never pay. And in paying that debt for us, 
that then freed God to offer us the forgiveness of sins. And in doing so, he retains his justice. His justice is not violated. It remains fully intact. The the penalty for the sin has been paid by Jesus. And now God can lavish his love upon us. He can offer us the forgiveness of sins. And that's what he does. And that's what he's done. And many of us have received that. And we know the, the glory of that. We know how wonderful that is to know that our sins have been forgiven. But you know, this is what you need to know. There's not a single sin. There's no sin that is not forgivable. The only sin Jesus said that could never be forgiven is what the Bible would call the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But what that means is it's a rejection of Christ. But apart from that, there's no other sin that is too great for God to forgive. Now, of course, since God forgives us in Christ, if we reject Christ, there is no forgiveness. But apart from rejecting Christ, everything else can be forgiven. Now, some of us in this room have committed some pretty serious sins. And thank God he's freely forgiven us those things. But you know, I don't know how many of us in this room have committed atrocities. I don't know how many of us, if any of us in this room, have have committed really horrific types of sins. But listen, even those kinds of sins have been paid for. Even those kinds of sins are forgivable. Even the kinds of people that have committed them can be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. That's the amazing thing about this gospel. The blood of Jesus cleanses a man from every sin. There is no sin that's too great. And man, if you stop and think about the the atrocities that have been committed, when you stop and think about the things that people do to other people and all of the horrific things, you know, sometimes we see these insane things in the news. We read about these atrocities that go on in different places around the world people are just senselessly slaughtered and murdered, or we read about some absolute lunatic who, you know, goes in and murders an innocent family or, you know, these kinds of things, dismemberment, all, all of the insanity that, that we see out there. Here's the, here's the reality. All of that vileness and wickedness and every form of perversity and corruption, it was all laid upon Jesus. And he was punished for every bit of it. And so there's not a single sin that can't be forgiven. There's not a single person that has done more than Christ paid for. There's no one out there, no one anywhere in the world that if they were to turn to Christ today, regardless of what they've done, could not be forgiven. That's the amazing thing about the forgiveness of sins. It's thorough, it's complete, and it is forever. Here's what you need to know. If you are in Christ, and this is how it all takes place. This is how the forgiveness comes. It comes by, uh, he says, in him, remember? 
And all through this thing, he's talking about being in Christ. And the way to get in Christ is by receiving Christ. But for everyone who is in Christ, what we need to know is that we are totally, completely, and eternally forgiven. That is the good news. Totally, completely, and eternally forgiven. Whatever your regrets might be, whatever haunts you, maybe it's the words you've spoken, the deeds you've done, the harm you've caused, the people you've hurt, whatever it is. If you come to Christ in humility and sincerity and say, God, forgive me, he'll do it. He will do it. It's amazing. You know, my cousin used to work as a correction officer in a prison. And he's, well, I haven't talked to him in many years, but uh, my last conversation with him, he wasn't a believer. And he knew that I had become a Christian and I was in the ministry and occasionally we would talk and, you know, he, he said, oh, these people in prison, you know, they're just, nobody in here could ever really get converted. You know, these guys are criminals, they're liars, they're deceivers. You know, he had a very negative outlook on the whole thing and, and understandably, he was, he was part of the system, he saw it all. But he happened to be... Um, they're at a prison where uh, there was a, a notorious murderer was there. And this guy had received Christ. He made a confession of faith. And now after 25 plus years of going on, we, we see that his confession was legitimate. He's, he's followed Christ for these 25 years. He's been a, a good example in the prison. And, you know, it's, it's been the real deal. My, my point is this. My cousin just could not believe that it would really be possible for a person like that to genuinely get saved, be forgiven. Now, like I said, I understand his skepticism, but at the same time, we have plenty of evidence that those things do happen. God does forgive anyone who sincerely asks him, and the proof that they've been forgiven is the transformation that comes in their lives. So know this today, that in him there is the forgiveness of sins and there's nothing that you've ever done that he hasn't forgiven you for if you've received him or that he won't forgive you for if you've yet to receive him but will call upon him to save you. He will forgive you of everything. But there's no other way to get forgiveness and without forgiveness, we labor under the burden of the guilt and the shame and, and the, the crushing effects of that. And people go to therapists and they go to different things and they end up going to substances and things to try to alleviate the guilt and, and you know, get themselves out from under the burden. You, you can never do it. It's impossible. We live in a culture where nobody wants to feel guilty. Well, of course, you can be guilty for things that you shouldn't be guilty for, but we've got plenty to be guilty for, so it's okay if there's some guilt. We're supposed to be guilty when we have sinned, but the guilt is to show us our need for deliverance, so as you respond to that guilt, not by denying it, not by denying that you've ever done anything wrong, but by just taking full responsibility and say, yes, I have sinned, and you come to the Lord, no matter who you are or what you've done, he, he forgives you. That's the beautiful truth of the gospel. How does he do this? 
Well, Paul tells us finally, and we've been talking about it for weeks, he does it according to the riches of his grace. You see, this is what the grace of God does. And listen to me today. You can't find this anywhere else. You could never find it anywhere in history. It's never been there. You can search high and low. Every religious system that exists in the world is missing one thing, the most important thing. Grace doesn't exist. It's not there. It's only in the gospel. It's only through Christ that there's grace and forgiveness. There's no religion. There's no philosophy. There's no psychology. There's nothing that can do for us what needs to be done except God through the gospel. And he does it all by his grace. It's all by his grace. We're wretches, but yet we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sin. How is this possible? It's according to the riches of his grace. God's grace is why we can be forgiven today. Why no matter what you've ever done can be expunged, washed away. God says he removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. The beauty of the new covenant is that our sins and our lawless deeds, he will remember them no more. Through the prophet Micah, he said he will take our sins and he will cast them in the very deepest part of the ocean. That is amazing. That is amazing. There are people today who are in mental hospitals. There are people today who aren't in mental hospitals, but who are mental cases because of the guilt of their sins, because of their inability to find forgiveness. But the forgiveness is there. It's available. It's free through Christ. Nothing else is like this in the world and nobody else can provide it for you. I trust that today, many of you know what I'm talking about by experience. You know what it's like. Your sins have been forgiven. Those things that you've done, the burden of that has been lifted off your shoulders. You might look back on it with regret, understandably. You might grieve over it, understandably. It's probably good. So you won't go back to it. But you know that you know that you've been forgiven. And you can lie down at night, put your head on your pillow, and you can rest, and you can know that, you know, if I, if I don't wake up in the morning, I'll be safe at home in heaven, not because I'm such a good person, but because by his grace, he forgave my sins and redeemed me through his blood. If you don't know that today, if you don't know your sins are forgiven, today's the day for you to know that by experience. Now, let's join Pastor Brian as he shares about this month's resource from Back to Basics. Hi, I want to tell you about a book that I think is going to be revolutionary for many, many men and, and perhaps for some women too. Most of you know that we have a massive pornography problem in the United States. It's not limited to the United States. It's a worldwide problem. And my friend Ray Ortland has written a book that I think is going to help so many people in dealing with the subject of pornography. The book is called The Death of Porn. 
And the subtitle is Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility. I had the privilege of reading the book before it was published, and I was able to write a little recommendation in it. And it is the best book I've ever read on the topic because it comes at it from the angle of our identity in Christ and who we are. And because of who we are, we don't need these kinds of things that we often gravitate toward and end up in bondage to. So my recommendation for this month is The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortlund. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. You can order the book The Death of Porn by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Death of Porn by Ray Ortland. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.